I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers, celebrating the 30th anniversary of Yo! MTV Raps in the golden era of hip-hop. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me at Lisa Evers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all verified. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both Hot 97 and Fox 5 TV shows, free of charge on my website, lisaevers.com. Now, in this episode, we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Yo! MTV raps in what many call the golden era of hip-hop. Now, if you're bad and bougie and like your hip-hop stir-fried, you may be wondering why you should care about this. Let me tell you why. We need to know our roots, and the very special guest that I have with me in our Street Soldiers studio right now laid the foundation and ignited what is now an international culture. That's no overstatement. That is facts. They helped to make the music from our most disenfranchised communities into the most streamed music genre and the envy of the world, the number one position. They made names for themselves and launched their careers at a time when there was no gram, no snap, no SoundCloud, no cell phones, and barely an internet. And maybe it was only the military that had it back then. Then along came Yo! MTV Raps. And for the first time, millions of people, many white and suburban and affluent enough to afford cable TV were introduced to the music that we were listening to and there was a soundtrack for so many urban lives. Let's find out right now how how they did it. Joining me, the one and only cool DJ Red Alert, one of the most influential DJs in hip-hop period. If you don't believe me, ask Flex. Um, <laughs> you can hear him on Saturdays at 6 p.m. on our sister station, WBLS. He's out all over the place in the community and the country as well. Um, Red, great to have you with hey, us. Hey, how you doing, Lisa? I'm doing good. Happy okay. to have you with us, finally. Yeah, we we got you here. We got okay, you here. Okay. And also with us is Roxanne Shante, pioneering female hip-hop artist and battle rapper. Um, maybe you've seen her feature film on Netflix called Roxanne, Roxanne. She's currently touring the country, um, promoting the film, but also engaging our communities in dialogues about the various issues that she encountered uh, growing up and coming up. Roxanne, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Thank you so much. Also with us is the one and only Fab Five Freddy, the original host of Yo! MTV Raps. He's an artist and filmmaker, and great to have you with us, Fab. It's nice to be here, Lisa. We really appreciate it. Let me start with you. Yeah. When they started, when how did you get the call about Yo! MTV Raps? Where did that come from? Wow. It was a guy named Peter Darty, and I'm sad to say that the two guys that came up with the concept for the show, Peter Darty and Ted Demi, are no longer with us. They're smiling down from above. Peter Darty was, a, yes, uh, Peter Darty was a good friend of mine. Downtown scene, Manhattan, where I was making moves. Peter knew things I was doing, having been in the movie Wild Style. Kind of introduced the downtown scene to the music, to the culture, and he was lobbying MTV like we need to do a show. So he reached out, hey man, I think I got him ready to do something and I I have you on my list to be a host I'm like really are you serious and he asked me what would I like to do and at that time all the VJs used to be cooped up in the studio recording you know sitting there introducing videos I said well I want to be like those guys if I can be out and about moving from the streets of Brooklyn to Harlem traveling the country I'll be more comfortable taking it and this was a big move it. because at, at that time MTV was playing mostly rock music pop music mostly white artists yeah and there were a lot of complaints among the emerging hip-hop artists artists that where is rap represented well black music in general wasn't being fully represented right. on MTV you know like people like Rick James had tried to take MTV 
to court back in the days because they was only really giving Michael Jackson a little bit of love and maybe some Prince, you know, when Doves Cry. But then they made an extreme radical move jumping on hip hop, which was, you know, wow. You it, was, know. it was pretty bold at that point. It was real bold and real radical and it paid off. It was the highest rated show on the channel right out the box. And we're gonna, we're gonna continue to talk about that. Red, in terms, of, in terms of the music scene in that era, you were, and you still are, but you were right in the middle as this whole thing was, was bubbling up. But it's like, how did you know what was a hot record? It wasn't, you weren't mm -hmm. looking at SoundCloud or SoundScan or any of these you know, downloads or anything like that. How did you know One what was a hot record? I learned being a DJ, you have to learn to take risks upon what you believe in. And that's what I was doing as I was, pleasure being on radio during that time, 98.7 KISS FM, and late nights on the weekends. Here it is that, you know, you have so much music coming at you, but you have to narrow down to ways that you believe in the program and your show that they become classics later on. And that's what I did, I took the chance. And did you always go by the sound? Because your mixing has always had like a consistent vibe no matter what artists, you know, that you're putting together. Well, I always look at it this way. You gotta be open-minded to all the different genres and different sounds that you can implement it right along with the hip hop and also with some of the R&B and some other notions of music. And you see what fit, you know, it's just like being a cook. You see how you're gonna come out with a good meal. <laughs> and you, you, you keep coming up with great ones. Roxanne, in, in for your career, and yeah. you know, we, we, saw in the, we saw in the film, you know, how you went around and you started battling and that type of thing, but how do you feel in terms of what it took to get hot as an artist? And to how did you make a name for yourself? Well, for me, um, as far as making a name for myself, that was fairly easy because of the fact of being a battle rapper. In order to make a name for yourself, you just have to consistently win. So this way, you know, when people see you or they know that you're coming, they know that it's definitely going to be a battle. They know it's going to be a great show. And it had a lot to do with stage performance and being a freestyle artist, being able to do things on spot, which made the audience already feel, or the crowd already feel involved because everyone wanted to be in the front. Like, I want to be the person she talks about. I want to be the person that she uses. You know, so that's how that kind of built up where everybody wanted to kind of like be involved in whatever my battle was because I would pull people out of the crowd. And, and that, was it, that was conscious or that was just part of the way that you did it? That was actually just part of the way that I did it as far as knowing that that was like my secret weapon of being a, a great freestyle artist. You sit back and you kind of would listen to whatever your opponent was going to say and then turn that around, use that towards them. So yeah, I call it the Nipsey Russell syndrome. So it, it worked for me. It worked, definitely, definitely worked for you. Um, Fab, in terms of the, the show, tell us how, how that started. Like once you, like did they say, you're like, I wanna be out in the community, I wanna be out in the yeah, scene that's out they here. Does. So, so And they're they like, but no, we got this great studio and. No, Peter Peter understood that I knew, you know, what was popping. He saw the movie Wild Style. He knew that I was behind, you know, what what was, you know, on, in that film, showing all elements of the culture. So he, he trusted my judgment. And one of the first shows we taped was Salt and Pepper was in a studio rehearsing for a music video, getting a dance step. So I went there, joked around with them really gave you a feel of the artists in their environment. That's the best thing that would happen with your MTV Raps. We would take you to where the artist is. So when we went out to Compton, we were right there with NWA, introducing them to the country, riding around Compton in an open flatbed truck, you know, the Ghetto Boys in the Fifth Ward in Houston, you know, or like Pete Rock's basement up in Mount Vernon, or the, or the Dungeon family, um, Rico Wade and them in Atlanta in their basement where they was really cooking up incredible music. So just taking the audience right there, plus it satisfied my natural curiosity. Like, yo, how you putting these beats together? You know, what's inspiring you and all that? And it was just amazing to share that with 
people around the country and around the world. And I, and I think for people too in that era, it's it's hard to you know compared to where we are now. It's like we can just look on our phone and see what Compton looks like, or see what a recording studio looks like, or see what the artist is doing because it's all right out there. But that was a pretty br groundbreaking concept. It was. It was really. It was groundbreaking. I just want to add, I was one of those guys on the weekends that had a fresh cassette tape ready to pop in to record <laughs> Red Alert Show. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So I still got a bunch of them tapes in the stash. You know? Yeah. You still keep your little the, the little Sony uh, Walkman on, cassette man. player so you can play them? I have my so big massive boombox, which I donated to the Smithsonian, by the way. I want my boombox back, but no, no. Those, Don't those make a Maybe you can get a replica of that. <laughs> I know. But Red, in, in terms of the mu music, what Fab is saying, and, you know, a lot of people, that's how a lot of music would get around, was people would record tapes, off the radio on these cassette tapes. They had the boombox with the, right. the dual cassette. That was our internet the double deck. That was our internet, yeah. right? Yeah, them tapes got to travel everywhere through either family, if you were going away to school, you was in a service, wherever it is, they went global. Yeah, that's how the tapes... I mean, here it is. I went to London for the first time, and I saw that some of these tapes were being used on um, pirate radio. That's crazy. That's the real classic elements of the culture. Now, even hearing um, Shantae, I had early tapes of her getting busy, you know what I'm saying? And then videotapes when she was on Ralph. Ralph had the actual... Ralph like, McDaniels, Ralph right. McDaniels, Shout out to Ralph you know? McDaniels, Video the Music video Box. video show, that's right. right. Video Music Box. So I've seen it all go down. So the tapes were there. I'm Shantae and my you know, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yo. we, we were discussing the fact of the, of the cassette tape and how... What people didn't really understand now is that back then to get a an exclusive cassette tape was like fifty dollars. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was expensive. Yeah. It was, it was expensive. expensive. It used to be Compared called tailor-made tapes. That's what it was right. called, tailor-made oh, tapes. And people would guard them literally with they like people would be in their car and when they get right. out they'd be like, hold up, give me my tape. Yeah. yeah, there was no such thing as demand. We gotta take a short break. Let's let's continue talking about the way that they no that music was listened to and that. consumed then Absolutely. as well. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Yo yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, and the place to be, and the only place for you to ever be is right here, listening to Lisa Evers on Street Soldiers. Rah. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the 30th anniversary of Yo! MTV Raps in the golden era of hip-hop. And my guests for this episode were some of the pioneers who laid the foundation for hip-hop music, which now is the number one most streamed music genre, not in New York City, not in the United States, not in Europe, not in Africa, in the entire world world. Mm. So let me introduce them to you right now. Joining me, Cool DJ Red Alert. He's one of the most influential DJs in hip hop, period. That's not my estimate. Well, it is my estimation, but mm -hmm. Flex says that all the time. Shouts him out. You can hear him on uh, Saturdays at 6 p.m. on our sister station, WBLS. Red, great to have you with us. Respect to you. Awesome. Thank you. Also with us is Roxanne Shantae. Yes, that Roxanne, <laughs> a pioneering female hip hop artist and battle rapper supreme. Uh, her life was featured in the Netflix film Roxanne Roxanne. She's currently touring the United States promoting the film. She's also taking time along the way to engage with the community to help share some of the lessons she's learned in her life and uh, through her various challenges. Great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us, the one and only Fab Five Freddy. He was the original host of Yo! MTV Raps, an artist and filmmaker. Fab, great to have you with us. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Let's let's talk about the way the music was consumed at the t at that time. You're talking about cassette tapes. Yeah, These are those square things yeah. mm -hmm. that look like plastic that have tape on them. A little tape in there. And 
and yes. that tape, that was it. That was how we did. And if you had your boom box, you you pretty much wanted to have a double cassette so you could dupe a copy for your homies that would be like, dog, I need to get a copy of that. Because in the beginning, like I said, I would record Red Alert Show, um, Mr. Magic Show in New York. We had a couple of shows on the weekends that would play a couple of hours of hip hop. And then we had WHBI for, you know, Mr. Magic, may he rest in peace. Mr. Magic and the Supreme Attack, Team, right? You know, the Supreme, Supreme team, team on WHBI. So we yep. would record, and then you would play this on your boombox and share that with your friends. And it's amazing to think today that cassettes are no longer in existence, but the mixtape and the concept of that it's is still, still used. Like people go on their on this down on their digital music sites they and they it, and they have mixtapes there right. which is amazing to me when you think about it's it. it's just it's really just the, the the medium that's changed the technique and the concept is still the creative concept is still the same exactly and then when it came to people that grew up watching yo mtv raps they would use another kind of tape VHS tape, also something that's that's yes. long gone, but uh, yes. you know that was the way. Change it from visual to audio. That's right. Right, <laughs> exactly. And that tape, boy, is crazy. Do you and do you, do you think the fact that there were, were there were fewer artists then made it easier in some ways, Roxanne, to become a big name? Um, I would I would guess that not necessarily because you, even though you had a few artists then you still needed to have some quality. You still need to have some content. I think because there was a few artists then is the reason why the artists you have now have classics because there was no room for just anything and anyone to just make a record. It was no overflow. It was like if it was not good, it was eliminated. So now there's no, <laughs> it, was yeah, just, it, was just, it was just eliminated. That was it. was it. just gone. Yeah, that was it. It was just gone. You know, there was no, there wasn't that, that certain overflow like even when we made albums back then there was no such thing as an album filler you made every record to be a hit yes. because you were afraid to not have a hit on your album so no one did that and then what I started to notice as time went on artists started doing what was called album fillers like these are going to be my main records and these are going to be the ones that fill it and back in the days we didn't do that we wanted everything to be great we wanted to represent hip-hop to the fullest we wanted to be that rap artist where when you because we're going by tapes who wants to keep changing the tape you want your tape to be something that people play all the way And then through. you can let it go From all the, the way through. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You want, exactly. Because that was like, right. that was disrespectful or hurtful if somebody popped it out yeah. or fast forward. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't like that one. Let's fast forward to that Right, one. exactly. Yeah. Let's do, Red, in terms, in terms of the, the notoriety of the artist, did, were there people then that you, that you found that you kind of played the record like you were taking a chance on? Tell us about that. No, it's funny you say that because during my time when I was coming up playing on the radio, I, I was even going to play in the homecomings at different schools or just being on the road with my girl Sparky D. You know what I mean? Shantae and I, we was on the road all together. And everywhere I went in different cities, I got to hear different artists. And what I used to do, I used to bring them back and just play them. But the honor was during the same time when Yo! MTV Rap came out in 88, I was on one of the two major hip-hop tours. I was on the Dope Jam tour. It was oh, I was wow. riding along with Boogie Down Production, Eric B. Rock Kim, Dougie Fresh, um, who else I could say, um, Bismarcky and Ice-T. And, you know, that major tour at that time, we hit like 53 cities throughout the, throughout the country wow. at that summer. And mm -hmm. every city I went to, I got to hear different sounds. What I did, brought it back home. And how did that how did that play in New York? How did that change in New York? Because everything was, the other thing too was, the, the, everything was kind of very geographic and territorial, right? Well, I did what I call the back door. The reason I call it the back door, I don't tell you where it's coming from. Mm. I learned how to program it along with everything you're familiar with. So much you got into it and you digest it, 
By the time you got to find out where it's from, you say, oh, I didn't know that. If I would have told you where it came from, you would have just turned yourself off right off in the beginning. So what I did, I learned to segue and program it right along with everything else. And and, I, and did you always listen for this, like the sound or the beats? Because I always felt when I was stuck in traffic, going somewhere, or li- listen to you when you were doing the, the do the five o'clock free ride, that there was always it was like you were going on a mental musical journey. Well. The beats and the sound are all in coherence with each other, but you know, it's all about the artists have to make a completion because it got to sound correct along with the tracks. And that's what I used to do. I used to be, like I say, open-minded to listen to a little bit of everybody. And no matter if you was a one-time person, which is every artist was a one-time person, you successful or not, if you fit, I'm going to put it in there. <laughs> I just want to point out it's interesting that we have Red Alert and Shantae here because Shantae was kind of came out of the Juice Crew and the Juice Crew was introduced to the New York City area via Mr. Magic Rap Attack. And Red Alert, who was like on the competition station, introduced a whole bunch of acts, Tribe Called Quest, Jungle Brothers, that were known as Native Tongue. There was numerous yeah. acts that you would tune in to hear who Red was introducing and bigging up, and then you switch over to Magic to hear, and it's, so it's pretty and cool. And I play a lot of the tracks that the Juice Crew had. Here we go. No, mm-hmm. I mean, one thing don't have nothing to do with the other. It sounds good, I'm gonna play it. That's right. And that was it, so it wasn't like this person's, this is off limits, or because they're from nah, a different nah, crew, nah, nah. or it's anything good. like I'm that. Gonna play. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Roxanne, what about that? Did you feel when you were in other, other cities that you got the same love? Um, absolutely, I did. I felt that I had got the same love. I guess because coming in as a battle rapper, that's what they wanted from me. So that's what I presented. So when I came there, there was always a battle waiting for me. Like every city had their own <laughs> Roxanne. So if I went to Baltimore, there was Baltimore's Roxanne. If I went to um, Connecticut, Connecticut's Roxanne. California's <laughs> Roxanne. LA's Roxanne. Watts Roxanne. You know. And so I was just always getting off the plane and just preparing for whatever Roxanne was going to be there. And what was there? Tell, tell us about some of the some of the ones you remember. Were there were there anywhere you were just like going, oh my god, or they were like really really hard, or they had like a really big crew with them, or I something? I think I was in Texas, and Texas <laughs> Roxanne, she must have had all of Texas with her, because <laughs> I remember when we walked in, and I you know, and I come with the Juice Crew, and the Juice Crew, when you walk with Big Daddy Kane, Biz Markey, MC Shan, Molly Mall, Mr. Magic, Flying Tide. Like when you walk in with that type of crew behind you, there's a certain air about your walk. Plus, you're like, coming from New York, where the whole thing started, New- right? Exactly. So you're walking with all of that in there, and we walked in there, and we were like, "Wow!" They was like, "Listen, Shani, don't be so rough on her, because mm. we might have a hard time getting, getting out, out of here. here." You know, because usually it's like I just go, in, I would go in and just <laughs> want to destroy, and then they cry and everything else. But it was like, "Nah, if she cried at him. I don't know how we gonna make it up out of this one." So I remember that time. I think that was the only time I was told to kind of like take it easy or, or so some of the yeah. some of the female rappers that you decimated were just they just break down crying we after the little, battle you know this because we were still little girls yeah, yeah. that's, and, and that's true because you would figure out you're te- your teenager it, right? right but the thing about it and they had not experienced what i experienced so because of that right you, you know, had the I new york in, i came in with a new york grown-up mentality and also a grown-up language that they really wasn't ready for. Oh, you yeah. Know, so. But I, I just want to point out, though, that's, it's great to hear this history that Shantae really ignited the whole concept of battling on record and then took it around the country. That's still one of my favorite parts of hip-hop. And there's a whole live battle rap 
world that exists pretty much on the internet with leagues and like mm -hmm. people that do commentary, people from coast to coast, around the world, people right. are battle rapping, not trying to make records, they just going at lyrically. But also we have a very interesting battle going on right now. On the top of the charts, we have Drake and Pusha T going back and forth on record, which is very exciting right it's now. It's very exciting, but it's good for hip hop too. It's very no, that good. always been hip hop. That's, what do you it? Think? That's all know, right, exactly. It's, it's always been competition, yeah. yeah. But I think some people, it's very new to them. Well, you know, you gotta understand that too. The audience of today, to them, they may look at it as something different than what we looked at. Right. Just like here I said, here it is, I was on the road with Sparky D, same time Shantae and either Shan or Marty would be on the road with us, and they going at each other, but then it was all about the competition and being competitive and being and on skills. your A game, right. you know? And But you move on. Exactly. Right. It doesn't become a beat. We got to but I should point out, too, that in Fab, black music... can you music, hold that for one second? Yes. We'll, we'll pick up on that point right okay. after the break. Okay. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yo, Safari checking in live, and you know that outside is cold weather. Nobody else do it better, and she don't do cheap leather. That's why I'm here rocking with Lisa Evers. Street! Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Yo! MTV Raps and what many call the golden era of hip-hop. Sitting with me in the studio right now are some of the pioneers, the people who laid the foundation back in the day when people thought this was just a fad that was not going to pan out, that it was just a flash in the pan, that has now become the number one most streamed form of music in the entire world world. So let me introduce them to you right now. The one and only cool DJ Red Alert, one of the most influential DJs in hip hop, period. You can ask anyone and they'll tell you that. Um, he, you can hear him on Saturdays at 6 p.m. on our sister station, WBLS. You see him out in the community. He's out doing events, DJing, basically all over the place. Red, great to have you with us. Hey. Thank you so much. Also with us, the one and only Roxanne Shantae. Yes, that Roxanne, pioneering female hip hop artist and battle rapper Supreme. Her life was featured in the Netflix film Roxanne Roxanne, and she's been touring the country promoting the film, but also engaging with the community, dealing with various issues, going into prisons and jails, talking with people in public housing, talking with people who are going through and facing a lot of the issues that she faced coming up as a teenager. So Roxanne, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Also with us is the one and only Fab Five Freddy. He's the original host of Yo! MTV Raps. He's an artist and filmmaker. Fab, great to have you with us. Thank you, it's good to be here. Fab, in terms of the importance of Yo! MTV Raps, to the explosion of black music and for black artists. Give, give us a sense of that. I mean, it was a thing where we were just talking a little while ago, like in New York, Red Alert had a show on the weekends, as did Mr. Magic, Rest in Peace, that had a show on the weekends that introduced a lot of, sh you know, introduced Shantae to a lot of us. And that was it for us in New York. And in many other cities, there was nothing. California had K-Day, which was an AM rap station. And then out of nowhere, here comes your MTV Raps, where you get the music and the visuals, and it really it ignited an industry because rap records really weren't marketed or promoted at that time, and the records were selling like crazy already just on the strength of people saying this is a great record. So when MTV happened, it ignited things in an accelerated pace. And, and then I got a chance to go to different parts of the country and find out and talk to Luke in Miami, uh, you know, NWA and Cali and things like that. So it was pretty interesting. And so the, in, terms of the time, in terms of the time frame, so were they working, there, there were these, these developing hip hop scenes in these other cities when you started to travel around? Yeah, it was really, and looking back 30 something years later, it was a volcano that was really about to blow. 
and your MTV Raps was the eruption, if you will, and people got to see and hear and run to the store to support these artists, and then more artists came. People said, oh, I, I can do this too. And it, I think the, one of the more surprising things for me was not just seeing it happen around the country, it was around the world. I mean, MTV's feed was picked up all across Europe, people sent those tapes to other countries, and it sparked a movement around the world. So it's pretty amazing. And it was a real, and the version, the version of sending a link in that era, but it took a lot more time because you had this physical thing, it had to be packaged, right. you had to go somewhere to mail it or to send it or to ship it. Red, how did people get music to you that they wanted you to hear? Because mm -hmm. is this true, like artists with, you know, tapes in the trunks of some old car trying to go around and get on? Well, many a times when I was going to various places out in New York City, people was handing me tapes, handing me records. Um, I was getting a lot of material coming sh shipped to me or mailed to me at home or even at the radio station. You know, I mean, they find some kind of way just to hand it to me for me to give it a listen, and I make my choice from there. You must have been bombarded. Oh, my furniture was records. You must be records. bombarded. My furniture was records and tapes. I still got a lot of that to this day. All the all those historical, uh, all those what? historical music things. It's treasure. treasure. Roxanne, talk talk to me about the the hustle. Was there? Do you still feel there's like a a certain hustle that's unique to New York? Absolutely, and I think that's not just in music. That's just being a native New Yorker. That's just New York in general. Right. You know, we're known to go places and tend to dominate, not because we intend to do so, but because that's the whole New York persona. Right. You know, we, we are going to make something out of nothing because we've always been able to do that, and I think that is like the spark of being a New Yorker. But one of the things I wanted to say about Fat Fry Freddy and Yo MT Raps, what they did was they actually, because see, I would come home and tell my tour stories to everyone. But I could only tell that to my immediate circle. What he did was he took, they took the entire world on tour so that they can see what it was like. Cause see, these were things we experienced jumping off the bus, right. seeing what it's like in another town, seeing what their food was like, going into their homes. The style of dress, hearing, everything. The style of dress, hearing how their moms talk, mm -hmm. seeing what their favorite pets are, seeing how their dogs are in the yard. So for me to come home and try to explain to them, like, yo, listen, let me tell you what they doing in Atlanta. Once you leave this and you go down there, this is how everybody is. And they down there in the basement and it's like this. <laughs> right. But then they came along and said, listen, or rather he did because he came up with the concept of it. it was like, you know what? I'm gonna take the entire world on a hip hop tour. So people would run to their televisions and be able to say, guess where I went today? You know, I was able to go to Texas. I was able to go to Atlanta. I was in California and really have that visual that was never allowed before. And that's why the concert is such a big deal because what you get to see is you get to step back into time before you had the kids, before you had the babies, before mm. the bills, before right. the problems. Right. Like, like when you come to a concert like this one, it is something that you do for yourself. Right. Like you take a moment away from the kids and you just call up your old friends and you say, yo, listen, let's go back in the days. Let's go back 30 years for just one night. Like who wouldn't give to do that? Right, who to go, to go to back in time and, and then see. Just go back in time just for one night. And then that's what you're able to do at a concert like this. You'll be able to, from the moment you walk in, because see, there's no new school because we're celebrating 30 years. There's yeah. no time right. for new school. You know how you can go to other concerts, you hear a little new school, you hear a little this, because they have time to stretch. But you have so many artists here that you're going right. to hear you something that you had not heard live 
right. in a long time. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of a lot of demand a lot of demand yeah, for that. And just, this, this is she's talking about the Barclays concert yeah. on uh, on Friday night. Yeah. Right. I just want to add one of the reasons why you, you, as you introduced, you mentioned that hip hop is the most streamed music on all digital platforms globally. That's because hip hop has such deep, strong roots. And going back to the era where Red Alert comes from in the Bronx, the foundation, even the era of the emergence of Roxanne, we were just trying to tell people we're here. Here's what here's where we are and we mean something. And it was like real simple, real humble, but those roots went down really far. And then when the roots go down far, you know, the tree can get really big. But do you think it was also because of the, the importance of the personal connection? It wasn't like, let me put out this video on social media or this mute drop this music on social media, let it go viral. There, there was like a much more personal connection I think between the fans and the artists. Yeah, it was the voice of a community that really wasn't recognized, that really wasn't represented. You know, back in those days growing up, if you was black or Latino wearing your hat to the side with a little swagger, the media painted us in a very negative light. Yes, it did. So yes, that's it did. how we were almost all looked at. And this music and culture was like, baby, well, I'm that here, for, yeah. and I'm fly, and I'm cool. This is what I'm wearing. This is how I'm doing. This is how I'm dancing. Recognize me, and and we communicated to each other and that replicated around the world and, as and you, it continues to do Freddie, as you, as you look as you look back on those those years do, doing the show and going to all these different places were there are there certain themes that you see now that that maybe you know in the hustle and bustle of producing and getting the show on and getting to this city and that city are there certain themes from everywhere you went or from that era that kind of stick with you yeah there was a theme it was almost like what went down in New York was an algorithm that everybody was like hey wait a minute I got that I can do that but I'm gonna talk about what's going on in my hood in my backyard in my life and right. then that and that taught everybody else what went what, what yes. went on in Atlanta what went on in South Central so we all got to communicate in a way or understand each other's language from hood to hood Hood, city to city, coast to coast, around the world. And Red, did, do you think the different ways people listen to music in different cities? Like we always heard L.A. and, and Atlanta. It was always, you know, you're in a car. People well, would got, get um, packed into a car, that. gather around somebody's convertible, and listen mm -hmm. to the to yeah, the joint. Gotta understand something. Now here it is that what I was doing is audio, but what is it that? your MTV rap was was visual and educate you to let you know what was going on besides where you live at and other different spectrums across the country. So when you go ahead to these different cities and you get to meet the people, and I mainly always got to be in coincidence with the DJs, they let me know about their lifestyle, let them know about my lifestyle, exchange music, change thoughts, and open the doors. I want to add that, um, you know, I've also, as a filmmaker, I directed about 70 music videos. The first music video I directed was video called My Philosophy for KRS-One, <laughs> which actually was 30 years ago as well. 30 years ago this month in May, and I and yes. in the beginning of that video, you know, you, you can go on YouTube right now and turn that on. In the beginning of that video, there's two little kids, one little kid teaching another little kid how to scratch. That's Red Alert Son as a baby mm -hmm. teaching Scott LaRock Son as a baby. Oh wow! And that's the beginning of the video, and I did that specifically because Scott had recently been killed. KRS was now emerging solo. I put right. those vigils together, and I was just asking Red before we do that, how's your son? Because his son is probably about 31, 32, because he was a little bit older than... Nah, he's a little older. A little older than that. But anyway, they're both <laughs> little boys. Scott LaRock's son right. was a baby. Red son was a little older, and he's teaching Scott like this, like, like this. That's so awesome. And so, so much of it was like on-the-job training. 
right, yes. Roxanne? Just you just you, you gotta you gotta figure it out right now. Absolutely, and I think it was. It, I don't envy the artists of today because they will never be able to enjoy the way we enjoy tour like we even enjoyed the bad things on tour tell like, me about that because we like, always hear artists complain about oh i gotta do a tour i'm gonna make 20 million and i gotta do a tour it's gonna be a rough well see for us a tour was because a lot of us came from the projects a lot of us came from was good you know, hotel like, rooms like, like yeah like the only time we got to travel was like fresh air fun you know like, <laughs> it's like when you went to somebody else's family and you seen something different so you know we didn't get a chance to travel like that so for us tour was just an experience of life of being able to go someplace different eat different foods go to different restaurants um do what you love to do and actually be paid for it and travel with it. So there were times There's a joy to it. It was a joy to it. Like there were times when the promoter didn't show up with the money, which which still happens today. <laughs> that still happens today. That just happened. No janky, bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Janky promoters is just janky promoters. But I remember the fact that we being from New York we weren't even worried about the promoters not paying us or how we would get home because yeah people used to get one ways back then mm. you know why they get your one-way ticket to because we had an airlines called people's airlines remember freddie laker yeah and you pay in the air so it was a yeah it oh, was like a, a bus air, like a bus <laughs> super distant so like, yeah. listen, so was like a flying trailway as long as we get on <laughs> people's airlines they can't throw us out in the air right you know like that was like the new york coming out of the new york airport so as long as we get to Newark, we can get the, somebody the old Newark the airport, yeah. the unredesigned exactly. Newark wow. airport. Yeah, people, yeah, I think hip hop might have put them out of business. <laughs> and before there was a lot of major tours, we were doing what we call spot dates. And spot dates, here it is, you'd be like working every weekend or even during the week. You always have something to look forward to. So it wasn't going to have to be a certain period of time for a major tour. Uh-uh, you're consistently going, moving. And you got a good show, a good song, you're always going to keep and working. you're building that audience in like a very very personal yeah, way by the time you get to a major tour you're already consolidated because of what you have built up and one thing i would like to add about the fans the reason why our fans are so special to us is because see we earn fans with more than just a click you know, in order to have fans back in the days, there was a lot of patience and process to even getting a fan. That meant that they had to take time out, they had to write a letter, they had to put it in an envelope, they had to stamp it, send it off, then wait for a response. And then once they got that response, you had a fan for life. Right. And that is the reason why we still have the fans we have today. And we would love to see them all come out because that's what that really was, because there was a process of it. So when someone came up to you and they were a fan, we embraced our fans, we loved our fans because they weren't just a click away. You know, it was a little, there was so much more. No, there was more invested. It, was it's more like, invested. It's like the time. same old thing. What you, you know, get like in, you put it. It's like taking pictures and waiting for them to come back in the mail. Right. Like you really value the photo, even though it was your thumb. And there was a sense that there was time out. for expectation to build. Expectation. Exactly. Expectation. All right, it's we're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Hey, yo, this is Pat Post with Lisa Evers. Put your thinking caps on. Street Soldiers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on the 30th year anniversary of Yo! MTV Raps and the golden era of hip-hop. And we have some of the pioneers with us right now in the Street Soldiers studio, some of the people who were responsible for the expansion of hip-hop to the extent that it is now the number one most streamed music form 
in the world. Joining me is the one and only Cool DJ Red Alert, one of the most influential DJs in hip hop, period. You can hear him on Saturdays at 6 p.m. on our sister station, WBLS. Red, great to have you with us. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Also with us is the one and only Roxanne Shantae. Yes, Roxanne, Roxanne, pioneering female hip hop artist and battle rapper. Her life was featured in the Netflix film, Roxanne, Roxanne. She's been touring the country for months, uh, promoting the film and also meeting with people in the communities and giving a lot of inspiration to a lot of the youth. Great to have you with us again, Roxanne. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is the one and only Fab Five Freddy, original host of Yo! MTV Raps, artist and filmmaker. He also directed more than 70 music videos. Fab, great to have you with us. Thank you. Nice to be here. Okay, I want to ask you guys, in terms of then and now, we were talking about the connection with the artists, where there's there was seems to be a much stronger connection with the artists from back in the day. And people say there's no longer any more stars. Is that true or false? Fab, what do you think? I think there's stars. I think what's happening is everything is accelerated because of all this access to all this information and communication. It used to be you would pick up your monthly magazine, The Source, or there's two or three magazines and see what was going on, maybe catch somebody on your MTV Raps or whatever show. Now you are bombarded in a in a sense if you if you want to see so a lot of sometimes the mystery is not often there sometimes we get all the information too much information some maybe too much and then you may not be able to make that passionate close connection with artists that Shantae talked about a little while ago that could be a problem Shantae do you feel would do you feel that the artists today that it's different well, in I terms of the relationship and how they look w look at the fans and are with the fans I think what it is is that the artist of today wants to be loved, so they want to keep that I'm just like you connection. They want to do that. You know, they want to be able to say, okay, well, look, I, I get up in the morning, I brush my teeth just like you do, you know, don't right. look at me like this, this well, is how Like I the am. magazine that that's, uh, stars are just like us. Right, You exactly. know, they show them, like, walking the kids to school and in the grocery store. Right, and I think that's because <laughs> stars wanted to be or, or artists wanted to be more comfortable with themselves. They wanted to be able to not go and live behind these big walls or not go and um, move far away. Because if you notice now, everyone wants to live around everyone. You know, and it's because a lot of times we felt isolated. You know, you felt like, okay, you know what? I can't live here because too many people are gonna know where I live. And now people wanna live smack dab in the middle of the city. Like, listen, let them see me going to Whole Foods. Right. So at least they know that I'm a vegan. Right. So, you know. so it's a whole, a whole different thing, right? In, ter in terms of the, de in terms of the way music is selected to be played on the radio, now is it still the same that the fans determine it? Because it just seems like there's so much more out there. Well, I know that the fans they look at it that they want to be the programmers today, and the reason I say that because everything is online. So when they hear, they believe in it. They gonna go forth with it, and it's a demand to go right to the radio station. Say, this is what we checking out. This is what we want to hear. This is what we want y'all to play. And I think that's in the direction. Now, in the past, you know, if they heard something that they like, they were always calling up the phone, the request line. Right. The request line is not even around. It's around, but not as a. Now it's social media. No, they look social at social media. media. What kind you know, of? It's really living in the viral world, and everything is like right there for them. You know, instead of listening for a hit that we go present to you they are they going to tell you the hit that they believe in fab do you do you feel that that hip-hop has lost its soul today not at all i think it depends on where you look see people ask me all the time how i feel about hip-hop kind of expecting me to be negative because no i'm not expecting you to no, be no, negative. no no no, no I don't i'm, mean I'm you. genuinely no, 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 curious not, like what do you think right <laughs> but people in general 
who are not happy with quote unquote mumble rappers want to know hey fab I'm, i came up with you in the golden era you know that yo mtv <laughs> but rap i love era. trap don't hate me <laughs> yeah, i mean i like some of it i like some of what's going on you know what i'm saying but i just feel like it's a different time and we have ways of accessing music different than before it used to be we went to two or three channels to get what we had and we trusted people like red alert or when i was doing your mtv raps knowing that i was going to give you that give you that real of real now you can find your own real of real and plug into it it's like that artist may not be the biggest thing on the planet but he may be saying what you want to hear yes. you can google him find him lock into that artist follow that artist and support that artist you know what i'm saying like there's sites now where like people are tipping artists you know sending them a few dollars because i'm feeling you baby you doing what i want you to do i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna snap i'm gonna um paypal you five or ten dollars like the way you would do right. somebody in the train station so we can do that now and let those artists know that we with them those what about but what about the fact of like these curated playlists you know you play one song and then it pops up oh you might also like this or you might also like that or yeah, check but what out what i playlist? do is when i meet somebody interesting i'm like send me some links because I feel like, oh, I know, I like your flavor, your style. Send me some links to what you're making or what you're listening to. And I'm going to get a sound SoundCloud link. So I'm going to get some links to this and links to that, you know. And that's how I stay up on my music. Because it's, you know, we can't trust radio the way we used to. We can trust some people that we know are playing what they love as opposed to right. what. It's a different business. Yeah, it's, it's like everything is a different business. business. Roxanne, let's talk, uh, let's talk about the women piece. Because when you, when you were touring in the very, very beginning, as a battle rapper going around you're very young you're a female you're riding in with these you know with this whole new york crew into the into these other cities and really inspiring a lot of women to get involved tell, tell me do you feel like women have followed through on the promise of hip-hop of being being in hip-hop because for a while there it was pretty kind of a dry spell with female we've got a lot more female artists now obviously but mm -hmm. do, you, do you feel like women really followed through on kind of that that trail you blazed absolutely I, I would have to say and, and stand on it that I am absolutely proud of where all of our female rappers are today as far as being able to now have more of a voice, take control of their careers, say what they want to do, do what they want to do, wear what they want to wear, um, be able to pick their own lawyers, their own accountants, be able to walk away from deals and say, okay, well, you know what, if you don't want me, then this I'm going to go to this company and not feeling trapped, not feeling like, okay, you know what, I need to do what they say because if I don't, then what's my chances? You know, being able to understand that whole demand, but not just for women in the industry, just for women, period. The whole power that has now embraced them now is just incredible, and, and I love it. So when people ask me, well, you know, who's your favorite female rapper? I have no favorite. And the reason why I don't have a favorite is because they're all my sisters. They're like my sisters, my nieces, my cousins. I have no favorite in family. And hip-hop is family, so I don't choose one. Now, do I listen to some more than others? Of course, there will be times where I might have Cardi on. There might be times when I have Nicki on. There may be more times when I'll play Remy more than anyone else. So there will be those times where, you know, or Missy or, or Latif, it depends on my mode, but they have given me such a variety to be able to choose from that I am proud to say, okay, well, you know what? Today is my female rapper day. I'm just listening to them all day. And do you, do you feel like, because I, I feel like hip hop, uh, especially especially for the women in hip hop, especially for yourself, you, you show that, yeah, you know what? I'm a woman, I'm a young woman, I'm doing this, I'm strong, I'm tough, but I'm doing it my way, like on my terms. Like you were defining yourself and also, you know, j just giving, giving these girls an example. Absolutely, and I'm not sure if the industry was really ready for a Roxy and Shantae at that time because of the fact that I'm not going to wear that. 
or I'm not going to do that, or I'm not going to show up there, or I'm not going to say that. You know, I was one of those type of artists, and not to be labeled as a difficult female artist, no, not at all, but I was just a woman who stood, at, even at a very young age, I was a woman who stood for what she stood for, and I wasn't going to waver. Because even up until she came in as a, like a Millie Jackson, a hip hop. <laughs> that's a perfect, perfect, perfect analogy. Like Millie Jackson. And plus, I wanted to make a point. Ironically, Sha Shantae and I were both in Chicago last weekend. Yes, and we were. where blues when blues got electrified, when the artists came up from the deep south, they would battle each other. They would call it cutting heads. They would play a lick yes. on their guitar, and they would challenge you to play something better, and that would go back and forth. So it's been in the DNA of the music going back. Shantae just, you know, kind of reinvigorated took it. To a, it took it to another no level question. there. And it's, an, and, it's an, and it's an important part of hip-hop. No, definitely. definitely. And in the pressure, do you feel like for the, for the female artists today, the pressure, because what you're talking about, you know, you have to dress a certain way or be a little more feminine or do your hair like this, do your, you know, present yourself in a certain way. Um, do you feel that that's eased up and that's changed? Because like you said, more of the women artists today are, are taking real control of their career. Absolutely, and absolutely. So I think if we see a female artist today, she looks the way she looks because she wants to look that way. I not because some label said not, to you, just, not because yeah. some you need to wear a top that shows waist train and yeah. do right. I think they're doing that because you know necessarily now they want to do that. But what they've also understood is that now they represent their brand. See, before we were never thought of as brands. Right. You know, we didn't realize the value of being a brand. You know, you just want to be a great female artist. You want to prove that you can hang with the fellas. You want to prove that you could do this and you could do that. And so now it's at the point that we've already proven that. Now we can enjoy the fruits of the labor of being able right. to Right, and you that. see so many female artists with their own clothing brands, oh my goodness, with spokespersons for, like for major corporations. Hip-hop is a genre that regardless what you look like or what you wear, if you make a hit record, the streets are going to respond. <laughs> right. And so that's Automatic. something that defies. Automatic. Yeah. No matter what you wear or how you look. It's like an equal opportunity yeah, hit maker. If the record is right, right. it's going to happen. The, well, the look I say is this a, much as a, as, a, as a woman, but I tell you this much. The more you cover and the bigger your hit of your record, the longer it will last. Because of the fact that I've noticed, and, and we're going to be honest here, I've noticed that a lot of female who came into the industry, those who are no longer considered quote unquote successful, who came into the industry and wore less, were valued less when they did not come to the same level as their last hit. Where if she was covered more, they'd be like, okay, well, you know what, that's my sister. See, it's a so let, let me just make sure well, I'm understanding what you're mm -hmm. saying. Basically, the ones that were nearly naked Right, you're but saying had, the, but had but had, had a, a hit massive, song, but had a massive hit. Mm -hmm. Right. When the next time they came around, right. and it didn't hit like that hit. Right. There it is. The All right, we're gonna save that for another women's show. Lyrics is the main thing. The, wait, do you do? Is it See? yeah, Red? What See? about what about that? Is it lyrics or is it beats? No, it's about the lyrics, because that's what you gotta have your A game. You can look good. But it will come out your mouth that really means and stands a lot. Yeah. All right, so let's talk future because we just have a couple of minutes left for this amazing show. Mm. The uh, future of hip hop, Red. What do you think is going to happen with the music? Well, that go according to two standards: the ones that create it and the ones that support it. Mm. You create something that's good and standard, the supporters is going to carry it all the way through, and that's what matters. That's never going to change. And that's what it's always been. But you got to create something that's going to make you last. And the supporters believe in you, they're going to make sure you last. 
Fab, what do you think about the, the future of hip-hop? I think the future of hip-hop is strong because there's so many places for it to exist. Once again, you it's no longer you want to get on these handful of radio stations or these handful of TV shows. You can now have your own TV show and you can access it right here on your phone right. and get access to all this stuff if you make the right music and if you stay focused and on your game. It can happen. You have to figure it out because this game is evolving fast and the rules are changing. So you just got to stay ahead of it. Rick. Definitely. Roxanne, r real quick, final word. Um, I feel that hip-hop is definitely going into a more positive and strong direction. I think that we are definitely coming out of the pill culture and we are going more so into a whole healthy mental and physical environment with it because I noticed from the lyrical change in a lot of records they're no longer talking about that they're starting to talk about getting businesses um, supporting our people standing behind people politically respecting our women so I see a great change in hip-hop and I see the future as being nothing but bright and positive thank God I love that that's wow that's, that's a great that's way to end all right I want to thank you all for being thank you all for being with us one and only cool DJ red alert great to have you on this show uh, Roxanne Shantae, great to have you with us again. Thank you so, so much. Fab Five Freddy, awesome to have you. There we go. There it is. Yo, MTV Raps. I want, I want, wait, get my marker. I want. I, I got my Sharpie. I want, I want to autograph on that you. one. You'll tag it for me. Okay. I want to thank you. Thank you all for being with us for, for this episode of Street Soldiers. Also, special thanks to the one and only legendary hip-hop promoter and manager, Charlie Stetler. Charlie and Stetler? And also Don Povia from Transition Sport and Entertainment. Thank you so much for your help getting everybody together in the same room at the same time and making this happen. So I want to thank all of you for it. Everybody that loves hip hop, my whole crew, Team Lisa. And uh, remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace.